Hello, everyone, and welcome to the PyTorch Dev Podcast. Today, I want to talk about batching, a fundamental concept in PyTorch and many other numeric computing libraries. Batching is one of those very fundamental characteristics in PyTorch. And if you're listening to this podcast and have gotten this far, you probably know a thing or two about it. But let me just take some time to explain um, you know, what is so important about batching. The concept behind batching is that when we do operations in PyTorch, like adding or subtracting or multiplying, we don't do them on single numbers. Instead, we do them on batches, on arrays of numbers. And when we do an operation, we do it many times over. In a deep learning context, when we do a batch uh, computation, we might be doing the same operation, doing the same uh, series of matrix multiplies, convolutions, whatever, on multiple inputs all at once, called a batch of inputs, um, before you know computing a loss and doing stochastic gradient descent in the situation. Batching has a long history. Um, the concept of computing on arrays or vectors um, comes from all the way back from this language called APL, where everything was an array and um, uh, you, you sort of only could ever do operations on it. APL's concept of defining operations that worked on arrays rather than single elements sort of paved the way for most modern numeric computing libraries, um, PyTorch included. The most important thing about batching is it lets you amortize the overhead of whatever interpreter loop or top-level programming language you're using. Because when you ask for an addition or a multiply, you're not just doing it on one element, you're doing it on many, many elements. And so if your batch size is large enough, or if your array is large enough, then, well, you're going to spend most of your time in some sort of optimized C code that's handling the actual processing for each element rather than you know wasting all your time in the interpreter you know repeatedly looping over something so um you know like basically at a higher level of abstraction if you write code that operates on you know arrays rather than on single elements um we can just do a lot better job at executing it eagerly this characteristic of batching shows up all over the place for example um in the automatic differentiation uh, community, prior to um, the rise of deep learning, uh, many AD systems would actually you know, perform AD at the level of individual operations on single numbers. And while this would actually lead to quite a lot of performance problems because while you know, you're tracking these fine-grained um, you know, uh, autograd histories um, through um, every single element in you know, maybe some sort of physics simulation. And so when we do autograd in PyTorch, we actually track automatic differentiation at the level of batched operations, not individual operations. And that reduces a lot of the record keeping we have to do because, well, if you have a 10,000 size array, we still only record one piece of information for the autograd of operations involving that array. Given the importance of batching for running code efficiently, you might imagine that it would be easy to write batched code in PyTorch. And, well, you'd be half right. So um, in a previous podcast episode, I talked about VMAP, a new feature um, in PyTorch for um, taking code that's written in a per-example way and converting it into um, its batched version without requiring any changes. VMAP is pretty cool. You should go listen to that podcast if you're interested in it. But, you know, people were writing PyTorch models um, way before the days of VMAP. And there were, you know, simpler ways of writing batched computations. Namely, you just took operations that knew how to handle batch operations and you strung them together. And so if you were just doing simple operations like, you know, pointwise operations, 
uh, this wasn't too difficult because, well, if you add together um, a tensor of size 2 with another tensor of size 2, that's the same thing if you turn it into a batch um, where you take a tensor of size n by 2 and add it to another tensor of size n by 2. Nothing changes in the way you write the operation in this situation. But it's a little too much to ask for every PyTorch operator to work in the same way. And in fact, if we look at all sorts of operators and we try to classify what their batching behavior is, you'll quickly find that there is a lot of variation. So there's a few cases that are very regular. So one is this pointwise situation, right? And in fact, um, there's a sort of more general case of this, which are just functions that take arbitrarily many batch dimensions and functions that are willing to broadcast. Broadcasting, by the way, is this thing where if you don't provide enough elements, um, compared to someone else's batch, uh, we will broad, so-called broadcast the um, element. Namely, we'll, we'll stamp out multiple copies to sort of match up the size in question. And this is really useful, for example, if you have an array and you want to add two to it. Well, two is not the same size as a you know, 10 by 10 array, but we'll just broadcast two into a 10 by 10 array that just contains a lot of twos and then add them together. So functions that you know, take many batch dimensions and are willing to broadcast, these are typically just the pointwise functions. And these are very well behaved, and it's very easy to you know, do batched computations with them. Some functions, however, only take one batch dimension. And you're going to have to actually kind of look at the documentation to figure out if this is the case or not. There really isn't any rhyme or reason. A lot of this behavior is simply inherited from uh, the old days in Lua Torch where, you know, like, Someone was writing the kernel, and it was for neural networks. And you know, usually you only have one batch dimension in neural networks, just the batch of the inputs you're processing over. So they didn't really need more batch dimensions. So you'll have some functions that only take one batch dimension. Some of these functions, you know, uh, are even like they will take an optional batch dimension. So if you just leave that dimension off, they'll just assume that you just wanted to operate on a batch size of one. And some functions are really weird. Like, take, for example, torch.matmol. Um, depending on the dimension size of each of its inputs, it might do a matrix multiply, it might do a dot product, it might do a matrix vector product, or it might do some sort of batched computation. And there, there's like a bullet list saying what happens in each of these situations. So it's no surprise people really like using VMAP um, because, well, VMAP just sort of abstracts all this information away. But, you know, we have to pay the piper somehow. And so the cost of um, implementing VMAP is we actually have to write all of these batching rules to, like, figure out, you know, how exactly to put things together. And I talk a bit more about that in the VMAP podcast. What I want to talk about today um, is um, I want to compare and contrast uh, batching operations with how it's done in NumPy. Because in NumPy, actually, over the years, um, NumPy has developed a little more structure on batching and broadcasting operations. And they call these the structure ufunks. And I just want to explain what a ufunk is because it's, it's a pretty useful concept. And all of API concepts from PyTorch were taken from NumPy. We don't actually have a direct concept of ufunk, but it's one of the things we're considering adding in the near future. 
So a u-func, or universal function for short, is NumPy's way of referring to any function that you know has a number of well-defined properties that make it work very regularly. And what do I mean by that? Well, um, u-funcs are functions that have batching behavior. So that is to say, you can add more dimensions to their beginning, and you can um, you know broadcast them if the dimensions don't line up exactly. And they also support some amount of type casting. So if you pass in some inputs that don't have exactly the same types, um, a ufunc will know how to promote the type and uh, you know like get some common type to do the computation in. So the concept behind a ufunc is really just you know taking some primitive operation like an add between two elements and then turning it into a vectorized operation that has um, that can actually operate on as many dimensions as you want. And if this sounds familiar to you, it should, because Tensor Iterator is basically an implementation of you know, turning uh, C++ functions into what are basically ufunks in PyTorch. So we don't call them ufunks. And um, you know, actually, ufunks in NumPy have a bunch of other um, interesting properties. For one, they have a bunch of other variants. So um, when you talk about uh, numpy.add, there's actually also a numpy.add.reduce. And what that function does, it's, it's a function attribute on side of the numpy.add function, is it takes um, you know, uh, your reduction dimension and reduces it using the operation that is the um, one from the ufunc, namely addition. So how come ufuncs aren't just an internal implementation detail in NumPy? I mean, you know, tensor iterator is something that you have to know about if you're a PyTorch developer, but it's not a user-visible concept. I asked Rolf Gommers, a NumPy maintainer and one of our collaborators at Quantsight, about this, and he gave me some very interesting information about ufunks. So ufunks are not that great for users because users find it a little strange to take a function and then take an attribute on it and then say np.add.reduce. That's kind of weird. But because ufunks are introspectable and you know they have a very regular structure, um, they can be used in other libraries to do things that you know sort of wouldn't be possible with just plain NumPy. So, for example, uh, um, scipy.special um, consists mostly of ufunks that are easy to define, and they just reuse NumPy's machinery to take these um, you know functions and then turn them into ufunks in the same way that you know downstream users of PyTorch might want to use Tensor Iterator to you know make point-wise style operations. Um, but another example of ufunks is um, Numba. So Numba is a uh, optimizing compiler for Python that um, basically you know, can take code that is just written in Python and then compile it to CPU or CUDA. And so when you write a NumPy operation and it is a ufunk operation, well, Numba can actually um, easily lower that into their IR because they know, hey, well, ufunks all operate the same way. So if it's something's a ufunk, it just needs to know, you know what the single element operation is and then otherwise can use a common lowering behavior in the situation. One of the reasons why I personally have been thinking about NumPy ufunks recently is because um, we're looking at how to rationalize our operators and sort of reduce the amount of boilerplate people have to write in the situation and, you know, actually exposing this concept of ufunk as a concept in our operating library is one way of saying, hey, all of these operators have the same behavior, so you can treat them in the same way. 
In fact, there's an even more general concept than eufunks called a generalized eufunk. And um, these eufunks basically make it possible to define things that um, aren't just element-wise operations like add or uh, subtract, but things that actually do non-trivial um, transformations on dimensions, like matrix multiply. And the concept is still kind of the same. You need to define what the um, you know, sort of core operation is, right? Like a matrix multiply takes um, your dimensions and removes the inner dimensions and you know, puts the outer two dimensions together. But then, once again, because we're in a batched universe, you might want to actually batch this operation. And so the uh, generalized eufunk says, okay, and then uh, you, know, you can tack on as many batch dimensions as you want. And so once again, if something is a generalized eufunk, then you know at least that the batching is handled in a reg very regular way. So you know the combination of these two things means that you know it's not as important to have something like VMAP because well, as long as your operators are one of these things, then you know you can you know, rely on it acting the same way. Although, well, it's still kind of nice having VMAP because not everything is going to be a eufunk, not everything is going to be a generalized eufunk. And so, you know, if you just don't know, if you don't have time to read the documentation, um, you know, VMAP will just make it easy. You just don't have to worry about it. So that's it for batching. So batching is how we make PyTorch as an eager library efficient because we can amortize the overhead of Python over doing computations over many, many elements. PyTorch is not very regular about how batching is done on operators. It's a very per-operator thing. Some operators take many batch dimensions. Some operators only take one batch dimension. Some operators don't take a batch dimension at all. But there is some structure to our operators, and um, um, one way to think about it is, is an operator implemented using tensor iterator or not. But some other ways of thinking about it, because PyTorch is very similar to NumPy, is you know what things are eufunks, what things are generalized eufunks. That's everything I wanted to say for today. Talk to you next time.